Welcome to our Faith Cafe. I am your host, Pastor Rachel, and this is a short program that we're going to do today just talking about caregiving. I say Faith Cafe because I hope that you have um, grabbed your favorite cup of coffee or warm beverage of choice. Some of you guys like tea, and that's great. I like tea at night. Uh, I love coffee during the day, and so I've grabbed my favorite cup of coffee, and I hope that you will join us as we dive deep into God's Word and just spend a little time together conversing about how wonderful and great God is and how we can apply his timeless truths that we find in the scriptures to our lives every single day. Join me as we dive in today to our Faith Cafe episode called The Caregiver. When we think about caregiving, we generally associate it with care uh, that we give to elderly people or perhaps people with disabilities or uh, or invalids or somebody who is not able to care for themselves. But the reality is that every Christian is called to care for orphans and widows and also for people that are in need. And the last time I checked, there's many, many, many people that are in need. And so each one of us are called to serve others and to love others as we love ourselves. And so it's so important for us to take a moment to just kind of let that sink in. We're all called to be caregivers. We are all called to reflect Jesus here on earth. Teresa of Avila said, Christ has no body now on earth but yours, no hands but yours, no feet but yours. Yours are the eyes through which is to look out, I'm sorry, yours are the eyes through which is to look out Christ's uh, compassion to the world. Yours are the feet with which he is to go about doing good. Yours are the hands with which he is to bless now. We are the hands, the feet of Jesus. He is no longer on this earth, and so we cannot we cannot run to him and and expect him to do all the things. Just as uh, a lot of us think that maybe our leaders or or our pastors or our elders or our deacons they're called to do all of the things for all of the people all of the time, and the reality is is that we're all called to the same thing. We're all called to love God. Loving God also consists of loving others, and so we can't love. God without loving others. That's very important for us to know. And although each one of us have different uh, callings and different responsibilities in the kingdom of God and, and all of us in, in the body of Christ have different functions, but all of us are called to some, some things that are universal and across the board. And one of those is to provide care for others. And so as we dive into the scripture today, let's just take a look at how this can apply to our lives and how we can go deeper into knowing and living out uh, this way of, of life. We're going to talk about Esther today, and we're going to be in Esther, and we're going to have various scriptures, so I hope that you will just join us because um, I, I will link, I, I, well, I will write them down in the show notes just so that you know where exactly I got the scriptures from, but it's going to be in chapter two, chapter three, and chapter four. And the scripture tells me that Mordecai had a cousin, Esther, who had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Mordecai had taken her as his own daughter when her father and mother died. When the king's order had been proclaimed, Esther also was taken to the king's palace and entrusted to Haggai, who was charge of the harem. She pleased him and won his favor. He assigned to her seven female attendants selected from the king's palace and moved her and her attendants into the best place in the harem. 
Esther had not revealed her nationality and family background because Mordecai had forbidden her to do so. Every day, he walked back and forth near the courtyard of the harem and found out how Esther was and what was happening to her. During the time Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway became angry and conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. But Mordecai found out about the plot and told Queen Esther, who in turn reported it to the king, giving credit to Mordecai. And when the report was investigated and found to be true, the two officials were impaled on poles. Haman said to King Xerxes, There is a certain people dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom who keep themselves separate. Their customs are different from those of all other people, and they do not obey the king's laws. It is not, the king's, it is not in the king's best interest to tolerate them. If it pleases the king, let a decree be issued to destroy them, and I will give 10,000 talents of silver to the king's administrators for the royal treasury. So the king took his signet ring from his finger and gave it to Haman, the enemy of the Jews. Keep the money, the king said to Haman, and do with the people as you please. When Mordecai learned of all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and went out to the city, waiting, wailing loudly and bitterly. When Esther's eunuchs and female attendants came and told her about Mordecai, she was in great distress. She sent clothes for him and put, to put on instead of his sackcloth, but he would not accept them. Then Esther summoned Hathak, son of, king's, son of the king's eunuchs, assigned to her, and ordered him to find out what was troubling Mordecai and why. So Hathak went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate. Mordecai told him everything that had happened to him. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict for their annihilation, which had been published in Susa, to show to Esther and to explain it to her. And he told him to instruct her to go to the king's presence to beg for mercy and plead with him for her people. Hathak went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, all the king's officials and all the peoples of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in their inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that they be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their life. But 30 days have passed since I was called to go to the king. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai. He sent back his answer. Do not think that because you're in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. When we read this account and when we hear the things that had transpired and taken place, a lot of times we tend to just focus on the beauty that was and the wonderful story, almost like a Cinderella story that we just take to heart. And we love these beautiful fairy tale stories where this, this young girl who had absolutely nothing, her parents had died and she was being raised by her uncle and his family. And, and we see that he, she gets this opportunity to, to become queen and God shows favor upon her and she is able to make it to the palace of the king becomes queen and is favored among, um, among many. 
And we see that and we want to stop right there. I mean, it would just be wonderful to say, and they lived happily ever after and everything was great. But there was an enemy. There was an enemy to her people. And that enemy was not likely to give up anytime soon. And so he begins to poison the mind of the king and he begins to tell him all of these things and begins to state his case and, and go before the king. And the king is like, yeah, absolutely. And he's even, Haman is even willing to go and give of his own money so that this will be, so this, this will take place, so that this will happen, that the annihilation of the Jews would happen. And as that begins to, to just kind of unravel and, 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 it, and Mordecai hears of it, the scripture tells us that Mordecai hearing this learning what had been done, tears his clothes off, puts on sackcloth and ashes, and begins to wail loudly and bitterly because he felt compassion for his people. And when he appeals to Esther and he appeals to her compassionate side, when he appeals to her, she's like, hey, wait a minute, but I I just want to protect myself. I mean, you already know that we can't go before the king, and if we go before the king and we're not summoned, we're going to be surely put to death. I mean, obviously, this wasn't something that was new to anyone. They knew that this could happen. They knew that this would happen. And so Esther trying to protect herself and her own life, naturally, that's what we want to do, right? The first thing that happens is we want to protect ourselves. What, what do I do to keep to remain safe? What do I do to secure my position? But what we find is two very different examples, but very important See, Mordecai had compassion for his people just as Mordecai had had compassion on Esther. He was a compassionate person that had seen that Esther was in need and he took her into his household and he raised her as his own daughter after her parents had died. So we see him a person of already of compassion, a person fearful of the Lord. And above everything, we see that whenever this edict comes, he feels for his people not just for Esther or his own family, but for his people. And he begins to wail loudly and he begins to publicly at the gates begin to, to cry and to cry out and, 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 and to, well, the Bible says to wail. And as he begins to do that, it's because he has deeply moved to a place of compassion for his people. And on the flip side, we see Esther wanting to protect herself and wanting to, to just live this quiet life and be going before the king when, only when I'm summoned. Go, but whenever, only whenever I feel that I, I don't have the comforts of every day, then, then perhaps I will kind of go out on a limb. But man, I'm secure here. I like it here. And so many times that's the stance that many of us take. We're like, I'm doing okay. My family's doing all right. So I guess we're doing fine. I go to church on Sunday. I go to church maybe midweek. I, I listen to podcasts like this and, and I do what I'm supposed to do. And so, I mean, I'm good. And we take that stance that in the, in the beginning, Esther had taken. The reality is, is that God has called us to be moved to compassion by the needs of the people exactly the way Mordecai had been moved to compassion. You know, in the, in the, in the gathering place and also at Santo Cristiano, we're, we're walking through the book of Mark. And as I've told you before, we've seen various instances where Jesus is moved to compassion in such a way that it is a, almost like a physical feeling. That's the way the word is described. That's the word, the Greek word that was, dis, that, that was used in order to, to convey com- the word compassion or to, to uh, um, be translated into the word compassion. 
And sometimes we think of compassion, but we think of it in our Western mind and we think of it in the way that, that we understand. And we're like, oh yeah, well, we think that compassion is all. And that's it. We sometimes think that that's the, I mean, that that's the, the, the whole thing that we're compassionate people. If we just sit there and go, oh, but the reality and the truth of the matter is that when we truly have compassion for people, it moves us in such a way that it spurs us into action. When the edict was declared and when, when Mordecai found out, he was moved in such a way that he tore his clothes off. He put on sackcloth and he put on ashes and he began to wail at the city gates and he began to cry out. I want to tell you something today. When we see the state of the world and the way that it is, it is un, uh, unfolding before our eyes, maybe even the word would be unraveling before our eyes. Are we moved to compassion? Are we moved to compassion or are we in a place where we are just like, oh, and that stinks. It stinks that people are being killed. It stinks that people are, don't have enough. It stinks that people don't, um, you know, are, are living tough situations. Wow, that, that's, really, that's really terrible for them. Esther had taken that stance in the beginning. She had taken that stance. She had said, you know, uh, Mordecai, you know, I mean, I'm between a rock and a hard place. I mean, I haven't been summoned in 30 days. And you know what happens to people that go to, before the king without being summoned? They die. I mean, Mordecai, this is what we wanted, isn't it? I mean, I won the favor of the king. I won the favor of everybody who was around me. And, and I'm in this great place. Isn't this what you wanted for me? And the reality is, is that as I look at this and I apply it to our lives, I say, we think about that so many times in terms of, God, isn't this what you wanted for me to have a great job? Isn't this what you wanted for me to have a wonderful family that, that everything's put together? Is this not what you wanted for me to, to live an abundant life and, and, and just to be surrounded by people that love me and, and people that, that want the best for me? Is this not what you wanted as a daughter of the king? Is this not what I should, should be getting? Do I not deserve this? And when we begin to have that kind of mentality and we begin to think like that, when we see the world suffering around us and when we see our brothers and our sisters that are suffering, sometimes we're just like, oh, I really would love to do something, but I'm in this really nice, cozy place. I'm in this safe spot and I like it here. And what does Mordecai do? The Bible says that whenever Esther returns that response to Mordecai, Mordecai in turn sends her a response. And he says, do not think that because you're in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. Don't think for a minute that your security and that the things that you hold so close to you cannot change in an instant. Just ask somebody who has lost their job. Just ask somebody who's been laid off. Just ask somebody who has ran into a financial situation where they had to deplete all of their savings. And before they know it, when they used to have so much and in abundance, now they're just living paycheck to paycheck. Just ask somebody who's gotten a terrible diagnosis from the doctor where they were walking along in their life and everything seemed to be going in the direction that it needed to be going. But all of a sudden life happened and all of a sudden there's something that comes to their body, a sickness, and they are just left devastated. 
Just ask somebody who has lost a son or has lost a daughter or has lost a mother or has lost a father. Ask them how their life has been turned upside down. Do not think for a moment, Mordecai responded to Esther, don't you dare think for a moment that your house won't be affected. I want to tell us today, don't ever think for a second that we are in an untouchable place because we're not. Tragedy, necessity, things of that sort can strike at any moment. And this is not so that we will live a life where we feel like, oh my, I got to be on edge all the time. No. But you know what you do have to do? You have to respond just the way Esther responded. When Mordecai told her these words, it completely changed her stance. It completely changed the way she was thinking. It completely changed the trajectory of her life. And he said, don't you think that for a moment that you will not be affected? And he said, and who knows, but that you have come to this royal position for such a time as this. Don't you know that there's something bigger at stake here? Don't you know that there's some uh, there's a higher calling? Don't you know that you your life matters more? It's not just about being comfortable. It's not just about being in a good place right now and and for the foreseeable future. It's not about having an abundance or more than enough. It's not about what you can accomplish and what you have and the commodities that you have all around you. It is not about you, just you all the time. Perhaps you have come into a place of abundance because it is there so that you can help somebody else. Perhaps you have come to a place of understanding of situations in your life that you have gone through and you have this deeper knowledge and understanding of things so that you can share with the world. Do not remain silent because it's comfortable in that place. Don't think that for a moment You have been given what you have been given just so that you will be nice and fattened up. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that all who would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. It's about so much more. But we often think that it's about me, it's about myself, and it's about I. When when we look to the scriptures, Jesus himself said, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. We are all called to care for others. We are all called to give, to share, to be in community. We are all called to those things. I love the way Esther responds to Mordecai, and we end with this. After he speaks these words to her, so so impactful impactful words. 
She responds to Mordecai and says, go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. And she's specific, do not eat or drink for three days, day and night. But she doesn't just say, you do it for me. She says, I and my attendants will fast as you do. Man, when you can give up something of yourself. They were foregoing food, sustenance. They were sacrificing their bodies. She said, fast for three days and nights, and I'm going to do the same thing. And when it's done, I'm going to fulfill my purpose. I'm telling you that there is a difference. We see, we see just a, um, a change in Esther, just in these few verses. You see a change in her. And she stands up valiantly. And she feels. And she relinquishes her will to God's will. And because of her, and because of Mordecai, many, many Jews were saved. Mordecai had a great heart, and he had an even greater conviction. Esther had a wonderful, beautiful heart, and she was moved to compassion. Mordecai was a perfect example of what it's like to feel, to give to care for others. We're in this season of Thanksgiving. And if you're hearing this at a different time, I just want to let you know we're in a season of Thanksgiving. When honestly, the thing we think about is, wow, we're going to be able to just spend some time with family, eating until we just go into a slight food coma, and we're going to watch plenty of football, and if it's beautiful outside, we're going to spend some time outside. If it's not, we're going to spend some time around the fire, and what could be better than to spend time with our family in the comfort of our own home, surrounded by people we love? There's actually, I mean, that, that's actually a beautiful picture I've just painted for you. And one that each one of us can look forward to. But I want you for a minute to think. What about those less fortunate? What about those that don't have? What about those who've been struck by grief? Or by devastation in this time? They're also in the season of Thanksgiving. Only their gratitude perhaps may be a little bit difficult in coming. How can you make a difference for them? How could you do something today for people that you know? How can you be moved to compassion today to give up something of you, of of your own comfort, to give it up to help somebody else? I don't know what it could be, but I want to ask the Holy Spirit to just reveal to me Holy Spirit, reveal to me in which ways I can give. I can share. I can carry somebody else's burden. And lighten their load. How can I do that this season? Esther told Mordecai, pray for me. Fast with me. I'll do it alongside with you. And then I'm going to go before the king. And I'm going to fulfill my purpose. And she did. She did. 
serving God is serving others. How can you serve someone today? This week's spiritual discipline. I don't want you to go away without walking this out. This week's spiritual discipline is serving for selfless reasons. Perform acts of service that don't directly benefit you. Perform acts of service that will not directly benefit you. That is a way that you can give. That is a way that you can create in yourself that spiritual discipline of serving. Let go of serving for self-centered reasons. You know that we're free to be more willing to lay down our lives for others when we let go of serving for self-serving reasons or for self-centered reasons. This Thanksgiving season, what can you do to care for others? Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for joining us in this um, midweek episode on uh, The Gathering Place. We really appreciate you guys coming and stopping or stopping by. But above everything, I'll appreciate it if you would just reflect on the scriptures today and just go to the Lord in prayer. Say, Father, I don't want to think for a minute that disaster might not strike to the people I love, to those around me, and even to my own home. So help me to have eyes of compassion, and to see like you see. And if we can do that this week, we're going to be better people, better Christians, better caregivers. And that's what the world needs. So I urge you to do that this week. And if you would like, I would ask that you would like, subscribe, and share this podcast. Share it with somebody and say, how about we do this together? You be my Mordecai, I'll be Esther. Or you be Esther, I'll be Mordecai. And let's keep on going. Let's do this together. May God bless you guys. Have a wonderful rest of your week. And remember, if you would like to come and visit us in person, you can definitely do so. Come into the gathering place. We meet at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 701 South Pershing here in Liberal, Kansas. That's the gathering place. And this is your friend, your host, and Pastor Rachel saying thank you so much for being with us. Until next time, God bless you.